Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Pastor Jim's desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application to our daily lives. As you know, we all have many influences in our lives. Some of those influences are apparent, others are not so apparent. Yet those influences often contribute significantly to the choices we make in life. While it often seems our choices are made quickly, typically it's actually a series of influences and smaller choices that led us to making one very big decision. This was the case with Lot in Genesis chapter 19. A variety of influences and choices landed him in a disastrous place. Let's learn from Lot what not to do in part one of Pastor Jim's message, The Power of Influence and Choices. Well, I'd like to start off with a confession. Pam and I love to watch movies. It gets worse. We still have a DVD player. Now, for some of you who think I'm totally uncool, we do have a Blu-ray player, too. That makes it any better. Now, some of you are thinking, well, I'm going to take, take care of that for Pastor Jim. I'm going to email him about, about streaming movies. He probably knows nothing about that. He's old as dirt. I know some of you kids think that I am. So, yeah, we know about streaming. We watch streaming movies. And actually, I spend a lot of time, because a lot of times, if you search the internet, it'll say new movies coming out with you know, Netflix and Prime and other streaming movies each month. I actually check all that out and spend time. It's sort of a labor of love I do for Pam, and, and I look for movies that we, can, that we can watch. But the problem is, is that when you go, and then I check my, I was calling my friends at Rotten Tomatoes, when you, when you check what movies are about and, and even kind of maybe look at a preview or something like that, even if a movie's highly rated. So many of the movies have scenes and language that Pam and I have decided that we just don't want in our heads, we don't want in our hearts, and we don't want in our souls. Even sometimes we'll be watching a movie and we will turn it off. And we'll just say, we don't think this is appropriate uh, for us. And that's because... The older we get, the more we have become aware of the title of our message today, which is The Power of Influence and Choices. Or if you like it better, The Power of Choices and Influence. They both sort of kind of can go in any type of an order. Last week, we talked about why the world needs you. This week, we're going to see why the world needs you and, and why uh, our choices and our influences in our lives really do, in fact, matter. We're journeying through the life of Abraham in a, in a series that we've entitled Venturing into the Unknown, and there's a good chance that that is your story right now. The way our country is right now, the way the health situation is, the way the government is, the way the economy is, you just don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. It's almost like God is forcing us to trust him, isn't it? Interesting how he kind of puts us in those situations. And so as we come to chapter 19, Abraham is barely in it. It's, it's actually easy to skip over it. As we said, it is rated R. 
many, many pastors do skip over it and advise that you do skip over it. As soon as anybody tells me don't do something, I'm like, well, maybe I should do it. And, or, or they use it as an excuse to rail on gay people. So I'm not going to skip it, but I'm not going to rail on gay people either. And what happens in Sodom in chapter 19 is easy to see, but what led to it for Lot is not quite as easy to see as we see what happens to him. So I want to backtrack a little to chapter 13 and just understand how Lot ended up where he was by the time we get to chapter 19. In chapter 13, Abraham and Lot, we covered it already, were so rich, they had so many people working for them and a lot of livestock that the land couldn't support them. And we read in chapter 13, verse 10, and Lot lifted his eyes and saw. Just remember that, just picture Lot seeing. He's, he's looking at, so, so what we see influences what we do. What we see influences how we think. And so as Lot lifted up his eyes and saw all the plain of Jordan and that it was well watered everywhere. And then there's an interesting parentheses. The narrator writes, before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So he looks out and he sees, oh, that looks good. He knows that's where Sodom and Gomorrah is. He, he knows the reputation of Sodom and Gomorrah, but he goes, oh, it looks so good out there. Maybe I'll go there. So, so really, from 13, chapter 13 till 19, that's been hanging out there, if you've been paying attention. It's, it's been hanging out there. And then it says, uh, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt as you go towards Zar. Verse 11, then Lot chose for himself. So he saw, he thought, he, he let it get into his system, and he chose. Did he choose wisely or poorly? Poorly, Indiana Jones fans. He chose poorly. Young people have no idea what I'm talking about. It's okay. Then Lot chose for himself all the plain of the Jordan, and Lot journeyed east. And they separated, he and Abraham, from each other. So what does he do? He leaves the single best influence in his life. Not only does he head towards a place where he probably doesn't belong, definitely doesn't belong, it looked good. It seemed right. He thought he was strong enough to withstand the pressure of Sodom and Gomorrah, but he leaves the best influence of his life. This is a worry that is constantly on the heart of any halfway decent pastor when people leave following Jesus, when people leave the church. Where are they going to end up? Now, a lot of times you say, oh, don't worry, Pastor Jim, I know they told me they're going to this other church. And then I'll be out somewhere like one of our outreaches and the pastor will come up from the church and he'll go, hey, can I meet Pastor Jim? I hear him on the radio. And so I'm like, how you doing? I hear so-and-so's at your church. And they go, I have no idea who that person is. And I'm saying, well, you sure? They're like, I have 15 people go to my church. I think I would know. I think I would know. Because this is how they get you from pressing them, is by saying, oh, I'm going over here now, or something like that. So he leaves the main influence of his life. 
Next verse, verse 12. Abram dwelt in the land of Canaan. Remember, his name was Abram still then. And Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent even as far as Sodom. So he's not quite there. He's just close enough. You know, if he wants to get into the city for a little, you know, go see a show or something like that, he can do that. Nice dinner at a restaurant. But, but he's kind of still on the outskirts of town. Verse 13 says, but the men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked and sinful against the Lord. Well, when we come to chapter, thir- chapter 14, we learn that Lot moved into the city. And then the evil kings came and they captured all of the people from Sodom, including Lot. And Abraham went out and rescued them. But what did Lot do? He went back to Sodom. He went back to Sodom. He didn't say, you know, Uncle Abraham, maybe, maybe I need to move a little closer to you. Well, then we come to what we saw last week, Genesis 18, 20 and 21, and it says, And the Lord said, because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grave, I will go down and see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry against it as come to me, and if not, I will know. So he mentions that word outcry twice. What, what does that mean? Well, scholars tell us the word outcry actually means the cry of the oppressed. People who were being poorly treated by the people of Sodom, victims of a socially immoral society that cares nothing for people. And here's, here's the point, I think, that our world and, and most of the church just, just kind of refuses to see. You know, when you hear those things on the news, those horrible, horrible atrocities, you know, a, a group of radicals come into a town in Muslim and, and steal all the females, steal all the women. Don't you like the idea of somebody going in and wiping those guys out? Am I the only one? Am I the only one who thinks like that? Like, God, have mercy on those women who've been taken captive and please deal with the oppressors. Well, here's the reality that most of us don't want to face is for God to be merciful, he has to judge and deal with the oppressors. He absolutely has to. Interesting and sad to me how so many of these hot topics in our country and our churches just seem to come and go. We hear about them and then we talk about them for five minutes, you know, over a coffee and bagel in our nice warm cafe or, or something like that. And then we don't seem to care about them. And I've heard many one-off sermons that pastors give, and you probably wonder why I don't, so I'm going to tell you why I don't. I've heard many one-off sermons on sexuality, on race, on poverty, on injustice. And to be honest with you, to dedicate one sermon, to dedicate a series of sermons... To even write one book about the subject seems incredibly cheesy to me. It's almost like, well, I read the book, I heard the sermon, oh, problem goes away. Like, like we really think that somehow, right, we, we think that, that just giving people food, just giving people money, 
just a few interviews with someone, maybe a sermon or some ridiculous thing, or just feeling sorry for people, is just going to fix this stuff. It's not going to. It also seems to me personally, I know I'm on the soapbox before the sermon even started, it seems to me personally that the church in America often kills its ability to reach people with its simplistic answers and or with its compromise. It also seems to me that, that once we hit a certain age, many people seem to think that the incredible power of cultural influence no longer applies to us. It's almost like we think, oh, that's for middle school kids and high school kids and college kids. And once you get out, you know, you turn like 24, 25, you outgrow all of that stuff. I don't think that's the case. Usually, most of you know this, that you can spend five minutes with someone and you can tell where they get their information from because they're so incredibly unbalanced. And again, as long as I'm on the soapbox, it seems to me, and I will listen to people who completely disagree with me on anything. In fact, I make it a regular thing that I do, that a lot of their impressions of Christians right now is that Christians sound incredibly unloving, incredibly self-centered and selfish. Now, I understand that it's usually those are the people that get on the news. Those are the people that usually get the microphone. Oh, sorry, I have one. And that doesn't mean everybody, and there's lots of deeds of kindness and love taking place all over the place. But it's easy if we're not careful to sound less lovingly biblical and sound more political. And right now, and please, I love this country. I love this country. I am, for many people who are immigrants, I'm not saying this to brag, I'm saying this I'm bragging on my God. I am a picture of the American dream. I started a company when I was 24 years old with $2,000 in a beat-up van. Why? Anybody gave me businesses beyond me. <laughs> and less than 20 years later, I sold my companies to go do what I wanted to do for the rest of my life, be a pastor. Do you know how few people can say they did that? I love this country and what it provided for me. But this, this ugly brand of Christian nationalism that is developing in our country is turning people off to the gospel. That, again, coming from a man who loves this country and will stand up for this country. But I will not, and I hope you won't, lose your Christian witness in the process. And people being confused that somehow your, your politics is on an equal or greater footing than your Christianity. So what was going on in Sodom? People read chapter 
19, and they go, well, it's really obvious, but there's a lot more going on. Hundreds of years later, the Lord will say this in Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 49 and 50. He says, look, this was the iniquity or the sin of your sister Sodom. She and her, her daughter had pride, fullness of food. What did they have? They had money. They were proud. They were arrogant. They had money and abundance of idleness. Oh, my goodness. You want to get into trouble? Become idle. So many people right now, my email box is full of people saying, I feel like I'm falling away from the faith. And I'm like, get into a routine. Do something. Do, just please, just don't sit around idle. How's the, the expression go? Idleness is the devil's playground. Neither did they strengthen the hand of the poor and the needy. They were proud. They had money. They were idle. And they didn't care about the poor and the needy. Verse 50. And they were haughty and committed abomination. Uh, some versions say detestable things before me. Therefore, I took them away. Another version says, I removed them as I saw fit. So we see what happens, the sins that, that come out of pride. They're enormous. And he says they had pride. And then he begins to tell us in Ezekiel all the stuff that, that flowed out of the prideful heart. And God sometimes will have to humble us to take away that prideful heart. Now, now to be humble does not mean I'm humble. You can still be bold. But you know who you are. And you know what Jesus has done for you. And here's the problem with the heart. The heart wants what the heart wants. And when the heart is influenced and allows desires to take over, it doesn't even care what the Lord says anymore. It just begins to make decisions based on desires and influences. It just begins to choose what it thinks is best. That's why it says twice in the Proverbs, there is a way that seems right to a man or to a woman, but the end of that way is death. Sodom and Gomorrah are byproducts of a prideful and sin-filled culture. They're a byproduct of prideful sin and a culture that reinforced it but let us not stand in judgment on them. So are prideful, unloving, and ineffective Christians. Because what we're going to read about Lot is unconscionable. And 2 Peter 2, when we get to 2 Peter, I'll deal with it more, actually tells us that Lot was righteous. So what was he? He was a compromised Christian. Here's the problem. Some people go, well, I'm just a compromised Christian. There is a fine line between a non-Christian and a compromised one, and it's not a line that we necessarily can figure out for ourselves. It says, Peter tells us that he was oppressed and tormented about everything that was going on in Sodom. But what did he do about it? We're going to see nothing. He did nothing about it. So maybe he was righteous in terms of his eternity, 
but he was sinful in terms of his presence. And we're going to see how it ruined his life. It ruined his life. Pride causes us to leave people that are good influences on us. Pride causes us to lie about them, to blame our problems on them. Pride is a wicked, wicked poison that affects us all. The way of Jesus is lost in prideful, self-centered Christians. And that can even happen when we're in church, when we're serving the Lord. It can even happen when we're helping people who we really don't love. Now, to be honest with you, I wanted to skip this chapter. And the reason I wanted to skip this chapter is because I wanted to spend three months on it. Especially after so many years in youth ministry. You say, how many years have you been involved with youth ministry? Well, I had been involved in youth ministry when one of the people of this church, she's probably watching from home, her husband's here in the sound booth. But I'd been in youth ministry already for a number of years and uh, met a 16-year-old girl in youth ministry, and I think she told me she just turned 40. <laughs> That's why I'd want to spend three months on it, because I'm so sad at some of the choices people end up making. And the day it doesn't make me sad anymore will be the day when I get up and say to you, hey, today's my last day here. When it stops breaking my heart. But the point of our study is Abraham, and we'll see how the influence and his choices, his influences and choices to follow the Lord, although imperfectly, as we'll see next time, and Lot's choosing the influence of culture had very different outcomes for their futures. And as long as I'm on a mean streak here, I just want to say this. If, if you think that bad influences and culture is not influencing you, there's great parts of culture. Please don't, I don't think it's all wrong, but there are some bad parts of it too. If you don't think that it's influencing you. My friend, read the Proverbs, which will tell you you are a fool. So chapter 19, verse 1. Last week we saw the two angels left Abraham and, and the Lord alone. Now the two angels came to Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting at the gate of Sodom. When Lot saw them, he rose to meet them, and he bowed himself with his face to the ground. Now the gate is typically where the leaders gathered, Soul-searching question for you people in the business world uh, or in anywhere, uh, will rising up in a place of compromise like Sodom require you to compromise to get yourself to the top? Is, is, is Lot one of the leaders? We're really not sure, but that's where they hung out. He had drifted away from the Lord, not even being captured in chapter 14 and being rescued woke him up. How different than Bible characters like Joseph and Daniel, Lot shows us what happens to worldly, half-hearted Christians who want God and the world. 
They will lose themselves. Oh, wait, let me tell you how the language is couched. I'm just there to be a good influence on them. Really. If you start to see even a little bit of a downward slope, you know you're in the wrong place. Verse 2, and he said, Here now, my lords, please turn into your servant's house and spend the night and wash your feet, and then you may rise early and go on your way. So he offers them hospitality. Hebrews 13, 2 says sometimes we might be entertaining angels unaware. Husbands, that's your cue to say to your wife on the way home in the car, I feel like I've been entertaining an angel unaware our entire marriage, babe. (laughs) And they said, no, but we will spend the night in the open square. But he, Lot, insisted strongly. Why did Lot want them in the house? Lot knows what happens in Sodom in the middle of the night. So they turned to him and entered his house. Then he made them a feast and baked unleavened bread, and they ate. Thank you for spending the last half hour with Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Changed by Love is designed to help you deepen your relationship with Christ no matter where you are in your journey. Teaming with Changed by Love financially makes it possible to reach thousands, many more than you and I could reach on our own. We are stronger together than we could ever be apart. Please consider a generous gift today. Give safely and securely online at changedbyloveradio.org. You'll find our address there too if you'd rather send a check. You can always reach us by phone at 862-217-9686. It takes a team to encourage thousands. You and Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney. changedbyloveradio.org.